Hey friends, welcome to episode number six of Critical Folly. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this episode. And as always, make sure you subscribe on any podcasting platform and help us get the word out by inviting your friends and sharing the link on social media. I am so excited about my guest today. My friend Perry Myers is the head football coach and athletic director and also the dean of students at Harvest Christian Academy, where I used to be the head football coach and athletic director. I tell people all the time, the best thing that I did during my five and a half years at HCA was to hire Perry. Would you please help me welcome my friend Perry Myers Jr.? What is up, my friend? What's going on, man? Man, it is so good to be with you. Man, you, uh, I, I know I said this to you before, man, but I'm just, I want you to know how much you letting God use you to change my life, man, and giving me an opportunity. And I appreciate it so much. I really do. Man, if, if I played some role, it was a really small role. And I'm so glad I, you may think I'm joking, but I tell people all the time, the greatest thing I did in my five and a half years at HCA was hire Perry Myers, baby. Man, I appreciate it, coach. I appreciate it. You, do, do you get coached very often? You're going to always be coached to me, man. Uh, I do. It just depends on who I'm talking to. Sometimes it's pastor yeah. and then yeah. sometimes it's coach. It just depends on who yeah. I'm talking to. And I'm fine with both. Both are titles of honor to me, man. And uh yes, Man, it's so good. Uh, tell me how you're doing, man. In fact, let's do this. There are so many things that I want to cover in this talk. I'm just going to dive right into these these questions. Hey, tell everybody about yourself. Tell us what you do, a little bit about your family. Who is Perry Myers? Well, um, I was born here in Fort Worth, moved to Waco when I was just a baby. Grew up in Waco, Texas, man, uh, graduated from Midway uh, Midway High School, um, had a blast out there playing ball and going to school, you know, made some great relationships I still carry to this day. And um, so after after Midway, I was uh, went to Tyler Junior College out in Tyler, Texas to go play some JUCO, some JUCO ball. And I got to play under uh, uh, Danny Palmer out there, who was he was a coach over at uh, Southern Miss before he came over to Tyler and my linebacker coach was George Cumbie which was a uh, uh, two-time All-American at OU, went and played to, uh, about, I think he played eight years in the NFL. And so that was, and he was a, and he was a believer. So that was like um, some of my first real take of, here's a guy who is hard as nails, been there, done that, but he loves Jesus. You know what I mean? And so that, that was, and, and you didn't, you didn't see all that, especially when I got to, got into college and you know what I mean? Everything ain't, Everything ain't uh everyone wasn't raised the same, you know what I mean? And so I, I saw that a lot when I when I got off to school. And so after after playing a couple years at Tyler, I went off to go play at Stephen F. Austin, where I finished with my uh bachelor's degree in uh kinesiology and um health sciences there. Um after after school playing ball down at SFA, came to DFW. Um my wife and I came up here and I uh, started working as a personal trainer, so I was putting my kinesiology degree to uh, to some good use, uh, uh, doing personal training. I loved it. Um, I love training athletes, but at the time, what I really got a kick of was 
send someone's sweet grandmother or someone's street grandfather who come in and who can't quite lift a limb to open a cabinet or or who can't step off of a curb without fear of something jumping out of place. And so the things that we were doing, it was a big change for me. The things we weren't doing is it wasn't for athletic performance. It was just for them to be able to live and be able to do stuff on their own. So like I got a lot of satisfaction out of doing that. And uh, and when I was at SFA, man, my college professors always told us, hey, when you guys are getting out of here, you guys uh, looking at all the websites, thinking about coaching and teaching, don't forget to look at the TAPS website. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget one day, I was on a little in-between job actually working at Poly America um, I was at a packet plant, 12-hour shifts, man. And it, I just happened to be on one of my 15-minute breaks scrolling and saw an ad on there um, that Susan put, that you had Susan Rickard put out. I talked to my wife about it. She was like, yeah, let's re- give him a call. And, uh, and so after getting that job over at the, excuse me, at this time I was at the gym. But uh, after being at the gym and calling you guys over and everything working out good, like it was, it was so clear then and so clear now that that's what God wanted. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't know what other job that I would have been able to provide financially and still be able to pull apart uh, away from the training to come to the school and do all of that. And then God just opened the door to letting me be at Harvest, you know, full time. Um, a lot of people don't know that I actually had the conversation years ago with Terry. He was like, I told him, I was like, hey, you know, I love Harvest. I, um, I want to be here for a while, but I got to get somewhere I can get full, you know, on uh, full time, uh, full time. And, you know, we, they just didn't have the opening at the time. And then within the year, God opened that door and I've been there ever since, man. So it's just been confirmation after confirmation that this is this is where I needed to be right now in my life. And I'm so grateful for you having a part in that, man. Man, that's amazing. So so you are the head football coach and athletic yes, director sir. at Harvest Christian yes, Academy sir. in Fort Worth, right? Yes, sir. Uh, that is great. I, I I wish we could spend this whole hour just reminiscing. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and talking about kids and how fun that year was. And I have this crazy question, and it has nothing to do with the questions I sent you. Could you tell at all during our time together that I was not in a good place? Do you remember anything in our relationship or our working together where you went, man, this guy's not doing real well? Well, yeah, but at the time you were going, you had just gone through some big stuff in your family. You know what I mean? Yes, and that's so true. That's right. that was easy. That was easy for me to look at and be like, that has to be what it is. You know what I mean? That's and so true. that's what I always attributed it to. Because I just lost my dad. Yes, sir. That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Well, man, uh, I wish we could talk about our kids and Bradley and Shannon yep. and all those crazy dudes. But man, I want I want to get into some of this. So are you still doing personal training? Are you still working at the gym at all? I don't work at the gym anymore. But what I do now is I'll take on uh, clients just uh, on my own, under my own little umbrella. And I, I'll train on the side so I can do Sometimes I go personal. Uh, we go person to person and train. Sometimes it's all um, just uh, either Skype or sending uh, sending progress pictures and updates and workouts and stuff like that. It's all online, you know. Uh, with COVID and everything, it made everybody have to really get creative at 
how you want to get some information out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that I remember about you is I can't remember who else was coaching with us that year, but I remember like on game days or even junior high game days, I would, you know, run next door to Jersey Mike's or down the road to Chick-fil-A or whatever and get my meal. And then here comes here comes Perry in and you've got all this meal prep stuff. It's like broccoli or what I don't know what it is, but listen, I'm telling you, if you don't know Perry Myers, go search him on Facebook and there'll be some pictures and we'll get into the bodybuilding here in a minute, but you'll see broccoli pays off, baby, because uh, my favorite picture of you is that picture that somebody did. It was a promo picture for the saints where you're in a coaching shirt and you're like, yeah, on your hips. And I'm like, yeah, uh, so, uh, man, anyway. Okay. So, so back up, tell us about your family. I'm, I am the baby of three, uh, three boys and, uh, one girl. And, uh, I unfortunately lost my sister to cancer, uh, last year, but, in the midst of all of that, before before it was all said and done, I got to watch my sister uh, give herself to Christ and, uh, and get baptized, and so like it was just such a weight, Come on. such a weight off of my off my shoulders and everybody's. And yeah, obviously it was sad, but man, it's just joyous to know that I'm gonna see her again. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, she's yes, sir. So she was a T she was a TCU grad. Um, my oldest, my oldest, I have an older brother, uh, Matt, he li- who lives out in California, my, and then my middle brother who jumped into, uh, coaching as well. He is now currently coaching at, in Granbury. He just finished up his, uh, uh, graduate assistant gig over at, at Tarleton. And then I'm the baby boy, uh, bringing up the rear. And I, I always kid with him. I was like, Hey, mom and dad finally got it right. When they got to me, that's why they quit. <laughs> that's great. Tell us about your sweet wife and those little girls, man. Man, the oh, man, the best things, the best things about my life is these 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 girls that I have. And you know, uh, God knew what He was doing by placing this woman I have in my life and giving me those beautiful little girls. You know, being a football coach, everybody is, oh man, you you gonna have a boy? You know, you're gonna be trying to keep it. Man, these girls are something that I could never have. The love I have for them is something I never could have imagined. Until I had them, you know what I mean. It's the, you know, my grandmother and my parents always told us that you never know what true love is until you have your own kids. And man, I I feel it, man. So, and I'm blessed to say that my wife and both of my babies, we're all on campus together all day because uh, my wife Kyra is the preschool director, and uh, Hartley is in the first grade up there, and then the baby girl, she'll be two in May. She's at preschool. So we're all on campus all together every day. That's crazy. You know, I I used to tell people all the time when I was a young man and started thinking about getting married and have kids, man, I had my son's name picked out. Yes, sir. I I picked it because I would test it out and go, man, does this sound like a Heisman Trophy winner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then God gave me two little girls. And you know from experience, man, there is nothing in this world like a little girl crawling up in her daddy's lap and grabbing a hold of your cheeks. Oh, my goodness. I love you, daddy. And that's stuff. That's awesome, man. 
Well, uh, let's talk about your job at HCA, the head football coach yeah. and an athletic director of, correct me if I'm wrong, the defending state champion, Harvest Christian. Academy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, that was uh, that was unbelievable. Such an unbelievable experience because, uh, uh, like we, you know, we was talking about earlier. You know, I graduated from Midway, so I won the state championship on the field that I played at in high school, and so that was an unreal experience, man. Unreal. I did not know that. I did not. Yes, know sir. That you guys won it at Midway. Yes, sir. Unreal experience, man. And it was on my assistant coach's birthday. I said, well, come on, Jesus, make it clear for me. <laughs> Good for you, man. That's awesome. So let's let's talk about six-man football for a minute because both of us grew up playing 11-man. And sure. before we hired you, I got, uh, you know, kind of initiated into the six-man world. And it was, I, I remember thinking when Mr. Kaywood first told me, hey, we're six-man football I remember thinking, man, do I even want to mess with this? Yeah. I, I want to hear some of your thoughts, but I also have my own thoughts about six-man football. Tell people that are listening right now, because we have people of all walks of life, tell people about the differences between 11-man football and six-man. Okay. All right. So the first big the first big difference is, obviously, instead of being 11 on 11, there's six on six. And the field is shortened. Instead of being 50 by 100, it's shortened to be 40 by 80. But still, that is a ton of free space, a ton of free space. Um, another big difference is uh, first downs are 15 yards instead of just 10 yards. And then let's see, PATs, instead of uh, a kicked field goal, are worth two points in six man instead of one because it's a lot tougher to uh, get a to get a field goal up in six man because you I mean you have to have a holder and a kicker so they could potentially rush six guys with you blocking four you exactly know what I mean right. and so and so um so those are some of the those are some of the biggest differences and, and then and uh, all everybody's eligible receiver everybody how did I forget that man the center is eligible any and everybody it doesn't matter what number you're wearing it don't matter how big you are if you're on the field you can catch the ball baby. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome uh let's see is this your are you in your fifth year coaching have i been gone that long man i'm about to i'm about to rock your world man this is like my eighth year at hca let me see i got it i got it right here i, I always keep up with my uh my wife says only about keeping up with my coaching record so I try to keep it in my notes so yeah my first year with you man was in 2013 okay there you go so what is your favorite part? And, and then I'll share mine. What is your favorite part of that whole six-man experience? Man, you know, uh, what I love about six-man is six-man in general just seems to be, everybody just seems to be underdogs. Just the small town communities, um, not enough, maybe not enough players to really have 11 man, but these, these small towns are rallying behind these few kids that they got because they want to give them every, every experience that they can. And it, shoot, if we can't play 11, heck, we'll get out here and put six on the field and let's go. So I really like, I really like the fact that there are so many small communities, small private schools who are, instead of just saying, hey, we can't be traditional, we just won't do anything at all, that they're finding an avenue to let their kids compete. 
Yeah, I love that. You know, for me, once we got into that world and became a part of that six-man fraternity, I think the yeah. thing that stick out to me, number one, are there's this purity to the game. Yeah. When I, when I say that, I mean, listen, people may not know this. There are six-man players that have played in the NFL, many, many that go on to – you and I have coached players that have gone on to play in college – but sure. there's this purity that doesn't have all of the pomp and circumstance and the media attention and the recruiting yeah. attention. And there's this for the love of the game part of it that I just yeah. love with. Yeah. And the other thing is now you and I, our experience is six man football in Texas. And I don't care if you're playing with 11 or six yep. or two. Yes, sir. Man, in, in Texas, they take football seriously. And it was so fun to go, even though we played in taps, which for those of, uh, of those uh, for those who are listening today that don't know what taps is, taps is the Texas Association of Parochial, Private and Parochial Schools. It's like the private school yes, league. We still played, and I think you still do today. We played some of these little bitty towns that it yes, was sir. the lifeblood of their town and you yep. talk about yep. an experience. You roll into one of these little bitty Texas towns and it was everything. I, I remember Mr. K Wood, our boss, still your boss. Uh, I think he played at Gordon high school and they were a six man school and just remembering what a big deal it was for those communities, just this galvanizing thing yep. that brought these little towns together. And so I, I've told people all these years, if you get the chance, you've got to go and spend a Friday night watching six-man football. And then we can't forget the fact that it's basketball scores. It's up and yes, down. Yes, It yeah. is high-flying. It's a lot of points, I think. Well, I don't know, really, but I know several times in my time coaching there, we broke 90 points, and I'm sure you guys have done that. And yeah. And then some. Yeah. Uh, tell me about last year and the state championship run, the the kids and your experience there. Harvest has won a baseball championship. I think they've done some things in track and field, but they've they've had some moderate success, and we did too in football, but never to the state championship. What was that experience like? Man, it was a it was a dream come true. It really was. But you know. Uh, it it didn't happen overnight. You know, a lot of people can look and see that success. Like those, that that group of seniors and those boys that I had, man, they had been working their tails off their tails off for me for years. They took their lumps. You know what I mean? Uh, we had losing seasons when they were younger, but they bought into the program. They they fought, 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 and so the 2018 football season, we ran into the juggernauts of. Um, the eventual state champions, uh, which was, uh, it wasn't New Brussels, golly, I'm Bracken Christian, um, down by San Antonio. We ran into them at the, in the semifinals and we knew going into that game, um, that this was the state championship, so to speak. You know what I mean? And we didn't, we didn't do enough to make it past them. And we dubbed it like that night. I pulled, I always make it a habit. I got this from you coach that I always make it a habit that I go love on my seniors at the end, 
But I pulled those juniors and I pulled all those underclassmen to the side. I was like, hey, this is y'all's team now. You know, we have to start preparing for next year right now. And so during that little speech on that field in Temple, Texas, we dubbed the 2019 season to be unfinished business. And so rolling into the season, um, our we knew we had the firepower if we could stay healthy and if we just did what we know to do and didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. So the tough part for Coach Huckabee and I this season was going to be trying to make sure that the boys stayed hungry because the year before we had, we made it all the way to the state semifinal game. You know, uh, a lot of people were expecting us to get back. And so were we. And so I, I, I remember at the end of the season, the coach, the boys came to us like, coach, y'all made us feel like we were terrible. I was like, I, we didn't want y'all to feel like y'all were terrible, but we didn't want y'all to be satisfied because coach, you know, like I know that uh, the biggest things from stopping good teams from being great, it's just being satisfied with being good. You know what I mean? And so uh, week after week, um, going in, trying to take care of business, um, it got kind of tricky, man, because, you know, there's a mercy rule. We didn't talk about this earlier. There's a mercy rule in six-man. And so if you make it to halftime or beyond, and if any team goes up by 45 points, then the game is over. Game's over, yeah. And so, yes, sir. And so with a lot of six-man coaches – uh, it all comes down to philosophy. What they have to decide on is if one of these games is getting uh, out of hand and we're winning, do I go ahead and put the game away or do I extend the game, let some young guys get some players in, but then you risk guys, some of your key players getting injured, and, you know? And so I wrestled with that a little bit, but with the players that we had, I decided, hey, let's get in, let's get out of these games. So honestly, leading up, until we got into probably Abilene Christian, uh, the last game of district. My uh, it was coming down to the district. Yes, sir. I got. I took care of them for you, man. <laughs> it came down to that game between us for the district championship. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, the district championship. And that game was so important because not only just for the bragging rights for the district championship, but seeding to get uh, into the playoffs. And so with us getting grabbing that championship, that gave us a uh, a much better route to get to that state champion that state championship game. And uh, uh, we so we beat we beat Abilene probably about by about three scores. But then the next three games leading up to the state championship, we fortified everybody. Um, and so getting to the state championship, man. It was a. Uh, I remember being on the sideline and almost, almost crying at the beginning of the game, just being there, standing there, listening to the national anthem, just the the whole, just the whole atmosphere, you know, because we had worked so hard to get there, and no matter what was going to happen out of that game, if the boys showed up to play, I was proud. That's all I ever want, and it man, it I had to, I had to fight it back at the beginning of the game. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a lot of back and forth, a little something that we worried about as coaches is, you know, we didn't fall behind to very many people at all during the season. And so we, you know, it was a back and forth game, man, the whole time, the whole time it came down to literally the fourth quarter. We had to get a, uh, we went and got a fourth down stop, 
Hunter Estel leads the team down the field to give us the to get us the last score. And then on a on a fourth on a fourth down play, they were out of timeouts, out of timeouts. They're frantic. They're trying to get the snap back. Duncan Severus is rushing the quarterback. They put the ball in the dirt, jump on it, man. Game is over. And just our stance just go wild. It, and it was just it was just so unreal, man. And so I got the and so after it's and then you you know when we do stuff like that we try to make it a big a uh, uh, big experience. My mom right now works for for Baylor University. So on the way down, I got in contact with my mom. I was like, hey, we want to come a little early. Is there something you think we can do? So she got me connected with the guys over at McLean Stadium. And so we went to go tour Baylor. You know, got to go up to the game, have team dinner, watch some more state championship games, and then go get to play and then win it. So man, it was. The in, the entire experience was unbelievable, and I'll never forget as long as I live, man. Hey, let me let me tell you a couple things. First of all, when you name when you say names like Hunter Estelle and uh, who was the other one you mentioned, Duncan Severance. Yeah, here's what I remember yep. from those two guys is when they were sixth graders, we couldn't <laughs> find uniforms small enough for those boys. That was your first year. <laughs> <laughs> and they were little bitties. Yes, we could not. Yep. They were so tiny, man. And so to hear that they're the ones leading yes. HCA to that state championship, that is so fun, man. And then uh, was it 2013 when you were coaching with me that we surprised the boys and went and practiced at Cowboy Stadium? Was that you? Oh, yes. It was me, you, and Coach Austin Gonzalez, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yes, so we built it up all week. Like, man, we had, we lost that week. We lost that previous Friday, and, and it was our bye week. Yeah. And we're like, y'all better get ready. You better bring your stuff. Cause we're, and remember, we <laughs> put them on the bus, and we're like, you know, you could see it in their eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great experience that was, man. And those guys were so great to let us throw the ball around on on uh, the field at, at Cowboy Stadium. Uh, hey, I'm going to switch gears for a minute. Do you still compete at bodybuilding, or are you just still working out on your own? You know what? I competed I competed last year, and just with 2020, uh, everything that's happened with 2020, this has been the first year. Um, matter of fact, this has probably been the first year in probably about eight years that I haven't competed. Wow. So – Tell us about that world real quick and how you got into it and the difference it's made in your own physical fitness. Man, I fell into, so when I got done at, um, with, at SFA and got to work at for 24 hour fitness over there for those few years, you know, I was always seeing the, the you know, you got people that's coming in and want, just wanting to get healthy. You got some people that's coming in who are, who are competing, who are re really into the bodybuilding. And so what I was missing from, football that I have had since I was in the seventh grade was I didn't have anything that I was competing. I didn't have anything that I was looking forward to. And man, I, I am a competitor, man. I like, I wanted to have something to strive to be better at something that was going to push me. And I've always, I always said to gym, and you know what? I just want to do one show before I, before I, I step away from the gym, I just want to do one show just to be able to say I did it. And, you know, and, so lo and behold, I I jumped up and did one, and then I did I did well, then I did another one, and then I did another one, and it just kind of man, it just it just really just kind of snowballed, you know. And um, what working hard for me as an athlete at a young age 
instilled in me is whatever you want, you got to work for it. You know what I mean? And so I've always been in pretty good shape just from playing football, but jumping into the bodybuilding, getting in the shape to be on stage under those bright lights where they're literally picking every part of you as they can was a different, it was a different animal to me, man. You know, I have my diet got so strict as to where, I mean, I'm eating chicken, uh, chicken, fish and turkey. That's just, and that's about it. And, and then all the green veggies, a few carbs, and it got monotonous, but it worked. And you know, and what the, the, what I loved about bodybuilding and love about bodybuilding is there's nothing special about what I do. Uh, there's nothing that I do that anyone else can't do. I just push through the hard stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I'm a dad. I got. I'm a uh, of two girls. I got a wife. Uh, but if I want the body that I want to have, I find a way to eat clean. I find a way to work out. And the truth of the matter is, we find we find the times for things that are most important to us. You know, and a lot of people don't like to hear that all the time. It really makes you look at yourself and me too. Like, what am I putting my most time and energy into? And for me, that bodybuilding and that outlet and being able to use the gifts that God's given me, man, has, has been great. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? I heard somebody say a long time ago, if you want to see what's important in my life, just look at my calendar. Ooh. Oh, man. I like that. Uh, hey, I like that. So on, on the topic of taking care of your body and being physically fit. Yes, sir. How do you think? physical health contributes to mental health? Oh, man, I think it's huge. I think it's absolutely huge. And like, I've really got a, a really good look at that this year myself, because this has been a different, it's been a different experience for me trying to be healthy without a competition to look forward to. And so I've even found myself is in instances like, Ugh, do I really feel like doing that? Well, I don't have I don't have a show coming up. I don't have to. You know what I mean? And then what I felt, what I felt, man, when COVID hit and everything, I, I had to go on, we went to the lockdowns and I was watching my girls. When I sat on my tail and was inactive, I, I felt gloomy. Like I legitimately felt gloomy. Um, eating didn't feel as good because I'm not getting up and moving, letting my food digest. Like I, it, it really changed. It really changed how I felt. Um, and, and when it comes to your physical fitness and even when you're dressing the part, sometimes if you, if you, if you look good, you feel good. And so when, when I started seeing my, and I know a lot of people are like, Oh man, you were never out of shape. But when I started seeing my body change for what I didn't want, I didn't feel good about myself. And it's so it's, it is very important. And, and I want to say, I want to say that too, because I know a lot of bodybuilders who have, humongous inferiority complexes they feel like that they're uh they feel like that they're never good enough or and you know so everyone feels like that everyone wants more out of their out of their bodies but when it comes to just being healthy and, and tying into your being physically fit oh man it's huge you know when we see kids that are um being feeling down and out with one of the things we do hey let's open up some let's go get some fresh air let's go for a walk let's go get let's go just do some moving you know and um the gym has even always been that for me like that's been my release 
Some people are. Uh, some people can do it uh, when it comes to the, the runners. Some people just want to go outside and be in the fresh air. For me, it's going in there and banging around some iron. But I think it's huge to be able to get that release um, physically. No, that's really good. And and you mentioned all the COVID stuff and this crazy 2020 year that we've had. Have you seen an increase in anxiety or you mentioned gloominess? I would call it depression amongst your students or players during this COVID impacted year. Man, absolutely, man, because nothing is nothing is normal anymore. There is no quote unquote normal at this point, you know, and um there were schools around us who were um, when we started, we st- matter of fact, when we started athletics back, there were schools around us who were having to go into shutdowns because they were having little breaks. And for a while we were doing good. So I kind of felt like, oh, man, you know, we're in this little bubble. But eventually we've had to go into shutdown ourselves and to see kids not to be able to get the experiences that they deserve. And they've seen past students get, man, that's that's really hard. You know what I mean? And especially when you see some of those kids who um, you ha- you hate it for all of them, but especially those guys who've been at your school, those guys and girls who've been at your school for a long time. And now it's junior and senior year. Now it's, 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 it's payday. It's time to come. And now they're not getting to have all the experiences. You know what I mean? Because uh, all of this started all the way back in the spring. We have to cancel baseball, have to uh, – uh, cancel some of the, the dances, the get-togethers, uh, uh, all the spring sports, and so like it, nothing has nothing has been the same, and it has definitely been evident in our kids. Like right now, I can't even I can't even allow my kids, uh, any of my sports teams, to get together and have team dinners, and man, that breaks my heart because I know what team dinners meant for me as a kid. And um, what it's meant for these guys and girls to be able to get together um, outside of school, eat, fellowship, love on each other. And I have to discourage that right now. And it breaks my heart to have to do things like that, man. And so they they're definitely feeling it. Definitely. So has COVID affected the 2020 football season for the Saints? What what does that look like for you guys as far as your schedule and a a full schedule and playoffs is all that still on schedule or has the pandemic affected that man i haven't played one varsity football game yet coach and so um what our governing body which is taps what they decided to come out and do was they gave us for our district they gave us a district schedule plus one game and i was due to covid related issues um at first was on the other end we had we had to stop uh getting the games in and then it was on our end and so we still haven't got a game in and so if nothing else if nothing else happens i'll have three games this whole season coach and so it has absolutely rocked our world you know and uh we've had to make some changes at school as far as um what we're allowing kids to do, where we're allowing them to travel. So I have, I even have shorter practice times. We couldn't get together like we wanted over the summer. Um, so that lack of getting together means less preparedness, uh, uh, less weights, less sprints. You know what I mean? And so it has absolutely rocked our world, man. It has. What, what an opportunity for you as a leader to show your kids how to deal with adversity 
you know, as coaches, we exactly. talk all the time about adversity on the field, but 2020 yep. has been real life, yep. hard stuff. And for you to be able to yes, use sir. this to teach them, doesn't mean you quit. It doesn't mean you give up. It doesn't mean the world is coming to an end, but you have to find a way to make the best of this situation, no matter what it is Absolutely. that you're facing. So that that's cool. If, um, if we never were able to even play a game, the the lessons that team sports and particularly football can teach, just even in a practice setting, would be totally worth me being able to get together with these boys. If they told us, hey, y'all can't play a game, I would, and they would allow us to practice, I would still get out there and do it for the love of the game and for the love of those boys. You know what I mean? There's nothing like watching a young man work his tail off to achieve a goal and him doing it and just see the light bulb go off. You coach, you remember how big those eyes get when they coach, 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 doing what you said worked. You know what I mean? There's nothing, there's nothing like it, man. You know, one of my trophies, Perry, in, in that round, just a kid that you saw the light bulb come on and maybe just the love of competing was Isaac Wright, man. That kid, Yes, sir. You know, I met him when I, he was either sixth grade or seventh grade. And I remember the first play I ever saw him make was on this kickoff. And man, he just clocked this kid. And, you know, Isaac's yes, not sir. a huge guy as far as stature goes, but he clocked this kid. And just that those five or six years that I was on staff at ACA, just watching that kid grow. And I'm sure he won't mind us mentioning his name on here, but that's one of the great things about coaching is you you watch how sports molds a young man or a young lady. And, yes, and those those are fun things, man. And and Hitman Right, Isaac Hitman yeah. Right. He is one of my yes, sir. all time, man. Uh hey, what about um this is totally random. Who at HCA, who that you work with or that you've worked alongside with or worked for there at the school has made an impact on your life? Man, uh, the, the, the biggest one I'd have to say, man, uh, right now is Terry K. Wood. He has, um, he has been, he has been one of the greatest mentors I could have ever even asked for. Um, the things that I was strong, what the things that I've been always been blessed to be strong at is my relationships. I'm very personable. Like that was never going to be an issue, but his ability to make me, to help me see the, the every little detail within the big picture as to how to deal, how to deal with a disgruntled or a hurting parent, even though they may be in the wrong, they're fighting for their baby. And so just giving me insights on how to navigate all that and even the business side of it and how to not take stuff personally as, AD and that's just mama and daddy bears taking up for their babies and just you know and just how to be a leader uh, a good Christian leader and a good Christian man it would definitely have to be Terry K. Wood yeah you know one of my memories from Terry is he is one of the most level-headed leaders I've ever been yes, around sir. he doesn't allow yep. circumstances to get him too high or too low and that was an impact yes, he made on me is just watching him deal with all kinds of circumstances and he just yes. stayed even keel and he's he's really good at that. Yeah. Uh somebody that made a huge impact on me during my time there was Dr. Randy James, and he's gonna be yeah. a guest on Critical Folly with me coming up. Yeah. And man, what a guy. One of the things we're gonna talk about with Dr. James is just longevity and leadership. 
Yes, sir. And you talk about a guy who has such a sweetheart. And if you met Dr. James, you'd never know. But he held the city receiving record in the city of San Antonio. I don't think I knew that. Dr. Randy James <laughs> was the San Antonio Texas all-time leading receiver for a time. You, you, need to, wow. you need to go to him tomorrow. When you, when you see him next, you need to say, you know what I'm <laughs> It's true. He he'll he'll play it down like it's no big deal. But he was a player, man. He was good. Man, you hey. know, and uh, and he's on my sideline. Uh, he was on my sideline and my ball boy every chance that he got. And for him to be there, um, as a as a teacher and as a as the school minister like that, it meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to the boys. Man, Randy's been a great guy to been able to to go to to bounce the stuff off of when things were going great and where things were going right, uh, right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Dr. James is a great, great man. Yeah. And man, I love the way those kids love him, man. Yes. They love him. Hey, look, let's switch gears here for a minute. And I want to just give you the mic for a few minutes to talk about the temperature of our nation when it comes to race relations. You're an African-American yes, man. How do you feel about what's going on in our country and what's been going on as far as race relations and equality for minorities in the United States? Man, it's a it's a shame that we're at where we're at as far as uh, when it comes to race relations and and honestly, just the political this hatred towards one another. Like I, I, I don't understand it. And I think that that is a humongous, humongous piece of the, of the race relations, you know, uh, um, like some, some memes that I saw that just, I've seen a meme from the, from a Republican uh, side that said that if you're not, if you don't vote Republican, that you're not Christian. And then I've seen a meme on a on a Democrat say that on the side that says, well, if you don't vote Democrat, then you're not black. So I'm sitting here as a Christian black man and say, well, I guess I'm darned if I do, I'm darned if I don't. You know what I mean? And I just hate that. I hate that it's this, if you don't agree with everything that I say, then you're a bigot and that you hate me or that you're, you know what I mean? I, I, I hate that we've gotten to that place. Um, I think that, that, that there's always been things that we could have, we all can work on as a country when it comes to race relations. What I think has happened now is that it's all being brought to the forefront because of social media, the availability of cameras, officers uh, sometimes be, uh, wearing body cams. And so I think, I think just the availability of, of the information is really what's made it just um, explode. And, and for whatever reason, it's not it's not hard to see that our media loves the divisiveness. They love to pump out all of the oh everything that's gonna split us in half. You know what I mean? And it's and it's so frustrating because um I recently just lost I just recently just lost a friend. Um, um he was killed in Wolf City by a police officer, and that police officer was arrested. Um his name is Jonathan Price. Man, that was rough, man, because he pulled over in his hometown to stop a a domestic dispute, and he lost his life over it for doing nothing wrong. And you know, and so when I hear all these 
all this one-sidedness as of, oh, that there's all cops are bad. Well, no, but all cops are good. That's that's not the case, you know, uh, or all black people are bad or all white people are bad or all good. It just, it's 2020 and it's so frustrating that we can't sit down and say there are good and bad people in every race and in every occupation. I cannot understand why we can't say that. Yeah. And um, and so, like, with losing Jonathan, man, like, it hit home. This was a guy who didn't have a record. He wasn't in the wrong. And I'm very, and I will say, I'm I'm very proud of the Wolf City Police Department because they made a they made an arrest within a couple of days, but that hasn't always happened. And the frust the the frustration of black people just really hit the fan. Uh, obviously, with the whole George Floyd thing. So, a little bit about my perception about what happened with with, with George Floyd is. This this isn't new to us. And so we've been talking about we've been talking about this, what we feel like, well, we have for hundreds of years and nobody's just wanting to listen. And so now when it's caught on tape for almost nine minutes, now everybody's like, oh man, like this is real. And that is just it has been extremely frustrating. Like, do is there a an is there a community in America that think that black people have just been lying about feeling like second class citizens or lying about feeling like that we're not safe? And we can't understand why, why, why there are so many people that hate us. Like, why is there a group of people? What did black people do for a group of people in this country to literally hate to hate us? You know, there are conversations that I'm going to have to have uh, that my brother has to have with his son and that I have to have with my little black girls that necessarily every white American is not going to have to have. And I am so grateful. I'm so thankful for, like we were talking about earlier, Terry K. Wood. Um, he gave me um, and one of our school board members an open floor to be able to talk about race relations and everything that was going on to our faculty and staff. And it was it was great for them. It was great for me to be able to, it was great for me because I felt like, man, here's somebody who is, they're really trying to listen about my viewpoint. Not necessarily that they're going in, you're gonna agree with everything that I have to say, but the willingness to be able to sit down and have a conversation is what I, I wish that some of our, that some of our leaders would show more of. You know what I mean? To it's really hard for our um, some of our youth to look at political candidates and how they treat one another, or to look at all of these these people that are supposed to be out their role models and they're bashing each other because of their color of their skin, or they're bashing each other because of their political beliefs. And this is who we they're going to be esteemed to look up to. You know what I mean? And so it's 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 hard because I work. You know where I work. I um, in, in in Watauga, Texas, um, getting closer to Keller in the South Lake area, there are not a ton. There's not a ton of black people, and so when I got the opportunity to speak, it did mean a lot to me because I know that so many of them people, like you do, Coach, y'all know me, y'all know my heart, and y'all trust me enough to be like, hey, he's gonna be able to give us some real insight onto how it's like how it's going. This this isn't some 
this Joe Schmo off the street. Like, you know, I, I love the Lord. I work hard. I have a family. You know what I mean? And and for all of that, sometimes it means nothing because I'm black to some people. And that is really hard. Um, I am a uh, I'm a two way. Uh, I'm a Second Amendment guy all day. I, you know what I mean? I'm in Texas. But every time I get in my car, I have to make sure that I have my wallet within eyesight just to make sure that I don't. Um, in the case I get pulled over, there are no movements or anything like that. You know what I mean? And so I have some great, great racial relationships to this day with some great police officers, but I've had some tough experiences growing up. And so what I try to get some, uh, some people on both sides to understand is it's not just black and white that the, 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 the relationships that I have with the good ones doesn't erase the negative uh, experiences that I've had. And you know what I mean? And so, and, and, and the same, and the same thing, because Honestly and truly, I've experienced more racism against regular Americans more than I have police officers. You know what I mean? Um, when it comes down to uh, um, um, somebody seeing you and clenching their purse, somebody seeing you, uh, seeing you and running across the street, it, they don't know that I love Jesus. They don't know that I'm a family man, but they don't care. And that hurts, man, because... It no, no, I know for a fact that no matter what I do, I will never be good enough for some people. Um, and it hurts, and it, and it hurts to say that. And and I think when, and obviously the rooted, the uh, the rioting, the looting, absolutely, uh, absolutely wrong. It takes away from the cause of what the people who are truly protesting are trying to do. But I do understand it, even though it is wrong. You know what I mean? I understand it. They should not have done it. If any of those people had gotten arrested, hey, you broke the law, you got to deal with it. But I 100% understand. Martin Luther King said that riots are the language of the unheard. And it's the truth. Um, you know, and I segue into the whole kneeling, the whole kneeling protests and things. You know, I, I remember when Colin Kaepernick first started kneeling and how everybody was saying, oh, I wish that he would do I wish he would do it at a different time. I wish he would do it, which I can get, I can understand. But you look back over history, what protests made everybody feel warm and fuzzy? What protests, you know what I mean? And so, and it's really hard when I hear people, oh, I wish they would have done it like, and they revert back to something that at the time wasn't liked, at the time was still frowned upon. You know what I mean? So there is, there's never going to be a time we black people feel like that there's never a protest or never going to be a time to where it is going to be okay because it's not about for everyone it's not about how you protest it's what is being protested you know what i mean and um i I've, I've heard you know work talking to some servicemen and women i can 100% understand um why they feel like that it's a disrespect to the flag, even though many people have said over and over and over, that's not what it is. It's not meant to go against the truth. I can understand why they could, could take it against that. But I also need that side to understand that they're doing that right at that moment because all eyes are on us at the time. It's a, it's, um, um, it's, it's peaceful. It's nonviolent. It's a, it's a, it's a simple, it's a simple movement. And 
you know, it's when we who was it on Monday Night Football? It was Atlanta and Green Bay. the Houston Texans. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Or was it? It was so, and they decided before the anthem to do the arm and arm thing, yeah. and and they didn't kneel. They just had a moment of unity, and people still booed. And so, what I really took away from that is. Obviously, it's not everybody, but there's a big group of people that there's no matter what or when or how you do it, they're just not going to want to hear it. And it, it's just, it just really hurts, man, because black people have fought in every major American war. Like, like we, I don't know what more we can do, you know, and that's the frustration. We, we don't know what more that, that we can do, you know what I mean? Uh, I feel that... Um, that a lot of it, we as Christians, man, we got to step up and be at the forefront of it all. You know what I mean? Uh, we can't, in my opinion, you can't expect non-believers or people who are, who are living in sin to do the right thing all the time. But what are our, our, our Christians, our brothers and sisters, are we feeling each other's pain? Are, are we helping each other? Are we, are we being what Christ is wanting us to be for one another? Because one question that I posed to the faculty and staff, and I didn't have them raise their hand, I said, how many of you guys growing up talked about racism in your own churches? And, you know, after that, I got a lot of people that's like that, like it didn't come up often. And, you know, and my, and my, and my question is, you know, why? You know what I mean? And, you know, we, and so there's been, there's just been that we feel like that there's been this just hush. If we don't say anything about it, it'll just it'll just slip on by. But it's not it, it isn't going it isn't going anywhere. You know what I mean? We need Christians. We need our Christian brothers and sisters on every race, every creed to step up, man, and say that enough is enough. We have to hold each other accountable. But honestly, Coach, I feel like that we're not doing that because of some politics. To be a hundred percent honest, I don't know that why there are so many people that we give passes to, depending on if they're famous or they're movie stars or musicians or politicians. But I mean, like, look at all this stuff that is happening that's coming out with all the, even the um, uh, the child sex trafficking and all this kind of craziness that for years in Hollywood has just been swept under the rug. And man, we just that all of it, man. We, the Christian brothers and sisters, it's time to stand up. We can't be silent about things like this anymore. We can't be silent about it. A while back, I interviewed a friend of mine, Dr. Terrence Jackson, here on the show. Terrence is a African American man, served 13 years in our Marine Corps. He works for our federal government now. He's a university professor. And one of the things that he mentioned, because you mentioned earlier about someone seeing you and not realizing, man, you're a man of faith, you're a family man, you hold a good job, you want the best for other people. And Terrence made this great statement that reminded me, and it, and it convicted me at the same time, is when you watch little kids, little bitty kids, two, three, four years old, they don't see color. Somebody no, has sir. to teach them that. And yep. it could, it's not that parents are sitting down going, you see the dark skinned ones, honey, that yes, there are some horrible people that do that. But most sure. people, you know, parenting 
is more caught than taught. And yeah. young children yeah. watch how their parents respond to people of different races and they take on those same fears or those same thoughts of, well, there's a young African-American man with baggy pants. He must be bad. And it just mm -hmm. makes my brain want to explode. But at the same time, as I've been discussing this with different friends, and especially during my conversation with Terrence Jackson, and I got so convicted because I have prided myself my whole adult life and even growing up that I'm not a racist. I, I grew up with a lot of black friends, maybe more black friends than yes, white sir. friends. And, but I caught myself not too long ago, Perry, referring to a friend of mine as my black friend. Sure. And it just stopped me in my tracks because I was like, wait a minute, why do I got to put that qualifier on there? Why, why has he got to be my black friend? Why can't he just be my friend? And we yeah. do the same. We go, my Asian friend or my gay friend. And we got to just start loving people, man, just the way that Jesus would love them if he were here yeah. walking around with skin on today. And so, man, I think your, your, your thoughts are, are spot on. I think we got to have better conversations. I think we got to have level-headed conversations. I don't know yeah, how sure. that because of all the media and how they love to create division. And yeah. by the way, we shouldn't be surprised by all that division because that is the MO of our enemy. The devil is divided. Yeah. Conquer. He's yeah. been yes, sir. running that play from the very beginning of time. If you could speak into the whole police matter, you know, I hear yeah. in media and, and the news reports, you know, there are people, Hey, let's, abolish the police. Well, that's crazy. Let's defund the police. Well, obviously, getting rid of a police force is not the answer, but just for yeah. you, Harry Myers, what are some thoughts you have? What would you like to see as far as maybe some reform in the way we train or the way we hire police officers? What are your thoughts on that? Man, you know, I that's a that's a great question. Um I think that I think that one of the, the one of the major one of the major major things that's wrong um, right now is that there are a few bad apples that are spoiling the bunch. And now my question to the bunch is, why won't you get the bad apple out? Why won't you call it like you see it? Because the people that are the men and women who are putting their lives on the line every single day doing it the right way. They're working their tails off. And and so when you see somebody who comes to do something out of pure hatred, out of pure malice, uh, obviously that person, their family and that community is going to feel hurt. But then this backlash on these officers who are doing it the right way, it's unfair. But we need our the good officers. And it's like, hey, guys, get them out. When you when you see the red flags, when people are trying to uh, um, um Come and give complaints. Don't just brush that under the rug for the sake of the for the sake of the brotherhood thing. You know what I mean? And um, um, I've been blessed to do some security some some security training um, with some uh, police for some Fort Worth police officers and even some Dallas SWAT guys. And you know, just hearing some of their experiences, um, it was great to get their perspective of knowing that 
any and every situation can turn to a life or death situation like that. You know what I mean? And like that was that was eye opening for me. You know, like every everything that's routine isn't always routine. They have to be prepared for everything. And um, and so that was good for me as a as a black man to sit there and think about. But but obviously being on the other side of it, that there are if I got pulled over tonight, Steve, my heart would be pounding. It's not because, you know, that I would necessarily be doing anything wrong. And it's not because of what I've seen on TV. It's because of my own personal experiences. You know what I mean? Um, and so what I what I would like to what I would love to see is. Um, more community, more community out, more community outreach. So, so another title that I, that I hold at Harvest is I'm the dean of students, and so something that I try to make it a point to do is go love on the kids, go be around the kids on times that it's not just me getting them in trouble, because I don't want them seeing Coach Myers as just that. Oh man, he about to come drop the hammer on somebody's in trouble. I don't want that view. And so when you have a lot of police officers coming working into a city that they don't necessarily live in or who are they're not necessarily invested in. I wish that there could be opportunities where those officers in the community could get together more when there's not a problem. You know what I mean? Uh, And then when it comes, and then I I think, I definitely think that there there needs to be more training. Our men and women in uh, our armed forces, they go through the ringer. Now, do I think it necessarily needs to be to that aspect, I don't know. You know what I mean? I wasn't in the military, but there are some police officers who need to be more fearful about what they do when they pull the trigger unjustly. You know what I mean? We don't need the good guys doing everything the right way and being nervous about it, but we need those guys who are in it for the wrong reasons to know that you are going to have to pay the consequences and you uh if you if you take somebody's life or if you hurt somebody or if you harass somebody but what we could tell man that in that whole George Floyd video is that man wasn't that officer wasn't worried about anything there were people everywhere with phones out and that obviously that man dying is horrible but what does that say that he was that comfortable doing it with his hand in his pocket with people recording and so that speaks more into that speaks a lot of into the uh, of what we feel like is happening that we what we feel like is happening on a broader scale that there are a few bad apples that are spoiling these bunches all around. I don't want to live anywhere where there is not a police presence. I don't want to live there, but I also don't want to live anywhere to where people who are not handling their responsibility and not protected and serving the people that they were hired to do are allowed to keep their jobs for the sake of a, of a brotherhood or just to, to cover their own tails. So yeah. I think man, there's more community involvement before there's a problem and more training. I think that would be huge. Yeah. You know, the guy in Minneapolis, I, I think to, to your point that we got to hold people accountable. He had multiple complaints and violations that were just kind of, yes, I don't know if ignored's the right word, but, he wasn't held accountable for him for sure. And that's probably what led to him feeling so comfortable doing something so terrible. Perry Myers, you are obviously part of the solution. And I say, man, keep using your voice and your platform 
to further the conversation because that's what we got to do. We got to keep the conversation going, especially speaking on behalf of white people. We got to listen. We, we got to shut our mouths and, and stop saying things like, man, it's so much better than it used to be. We're not comparing things right. to 1860. Right. We're comparing things to six weeks ago. We're, we're saying yes, that sir. guys like Perry Myers, their heart starts beating fast when they get pulled over in 2020. So, so stop talking about the 1800s. And yes, let's sir. start talking about how we make things better right now. Hey, I would be remiss if we ended this conversation without me just asking you to talk about your faith and your upbringing in faith and your family. I know you have ministers in your family and just kind of talk about your relationship with the Lord for a minute. Man, I, I am absolutely abundantly blessed to be raised in the church because um, like before experiencing the move of God for myself, it was still already being ingrained in me. And that's something that I will forever be grateful for. Uh, the church that I attend right now is Power of God, uh, Church of God in Christ. And uh, the pastor and, uh, and the first lady are actually my grandparents. And uh, a funny story is the church and I are the exact same age. We turn, uh, the church and I both turned 32 this year. And so, uh, and so as long as I can remember, the church has always been um, a part of me, man. I've always been involved, whether it was um, in the youth, uh, the youth choir, youth drill team, youth sports at church and traveling and doing stuff with the church, even uh, going off to school, uh, finding a local church. When I was in junior college out in Tyler, finding a, 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 little, a little small country church, man. It was probably about 20, 20 members in there and only two or three college students, but just getting plugged in and getting busy uh because that was what I've always been taught to do just try to find some work that you can do for the Lord and so um the God has changed my life God is my everything uh the reason of for our lives is to point to his is to point to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and man we I fall short every day but I know how abundantly blessed I am and my faith man it, it, it is it's been absolutely absolutely huge in my, in my life. I now work, um, my faith has led me into my, my career now. Um, working for a private school gives me the ability to speak into their lives. And more importantly, if, there are, if my kids, if their souls are right with the Lord, and then the cherry on top is I get to talk about sports and I get to talk about football. And so to just to be able to get it all encompassed in one it's just such a blessing, man, because uh, sports is so easy to, to tie in your walk with the Lord and how if it's, it's, it's so easy about um, uh, falling under leadership, working together for a common goal. Um, even when you seem like you're against all odds, man, uh, you keep fighting. God is bigger than all of that, man. So it's just it's so easy to do. And um, uh, I, I try to find ways to stay busy right now at the church. I'm uh, in the brotherhood department. I sing, I sing for the, uh, for the worship team. And so, man, anything that we could found uh, being guilty of doing for the kingdom of God, man, cause that's, what's the most important. That's what's going to last. And that's truly what, that's truly what's getting me through um, such a rocky 2020, man. It's just when it's all said and done, it all be, it all to be worth it. 
because we've already won the victory. The battle's already over. Jesus has already paid the price. All we got to do is just keep living it and keep walking it, and we're going to get our everlasting reward. Man, couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. Hey, uh, I, I know we need to wrap this up. I haven't even asked you about your boy Dak Prescott yesterday. Ooh, man. It, 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 uh, man, look, see, you should look at the shirt I got on, man. <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> man, what it, uh, a year of injuries. And to key, uh, key players, man, season yeah. ending injuries to critical members of that team, man. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post, but I think it was ESPN that I took that picture from, but there's this look on his face. And the yeah. caption I said in my Facebook post is, you cannot fake that kind of passion. Yeah. And see, and that, and and you hit the nail on the, on the head, Coach. You said passion. A lot of people who don't really understand think that he was crying because of the injury. That man was crying about not being able to be yeah. there for his team. He wasn't going to be able to play and help lead them to victory. And you hate to see that for anybody. But, man, to see that with the high-character guy like that that comes in to work day in, day out, uh, who who didn't go sit out for months and months because he wanted all this money. Like, he was a guy who does it the right way, a guy worth rooting for. And to see that happen to him, man, that was that was rough. That was rough to see. Yeah, man, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Sometimes Talk about responding to adversity. You know, being involved in athletics your whole life. Sometimes teams rally around something like that, man. So hopefully yep. they can rally around Dalton and kind of galvanize together. That'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Hey, let's end our talk today. And man, golly, I feel like we could talk for two more hours and just let you hey, me too, man. <laughs> your heart on some things. But um, I, I want to end by doing something fun. It's a new segment that we're introducing on the show called Notable Alumni. And I just want to talk about some people from schools that you went to. And you earlier, you sent me all the schools you've gone to. And I did a little research. Uh, you went to Midway High School in Waco. Yes, and I pulled there up. Now, now listen, we're, we're getting our information from Wikipedia. So let's take everything <laughs> with a grain of salt. But they usually do a pretty good job in this alumni section. And yeah, I don't know if do. you realize this. Maybe you already knew this. But as far as Midway High School goes, it is Baseball School USA. Like, yeah, all man. Of their notable alumni are Major League Baseball players for the most part. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's a kid who played about 10 years ago for Baylor and played a little bit in the NFL, named Ahmad Dixon. But you've got yep. guys that play. Well, I grew I actually grew up with him, man. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, yep. uh, I, um, so there are a couple of guys that played back in the late nineties and yes, some sir. of these guys, it, it was amazing to look because it reminds you what a journey a baseball career can be because for instance, yeah. football, the minor leagues really is your college career. And then you're That's either it. in the NFL or you're not. And it's amazing because several of these guys played long careers in the NFL, but I'm, I'm looking at Casey Fossum, for instance, who graduated from, uh, uh, Waco Midway in 1996, he goes on to play in the in the major leagues for the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, Tampa Bay, Detroit, 
the New York Jets, and and then went to to Japan to play f- for a little bit at the end of his career. And so many guys that you see, it's that journey. And yeah. it could be an injury yeah. or just a change in management or something. And so yeah. Midway is baseball uh, factory USA. Yeah. <laughs> one for me was Stephen F. Austin, man. And I don't yeah. know this. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some names at you. You see if you know some some of these. I'm gonna test some of your your sports history and your United States history knowledge here, Coach Myers. Yes, sir. You know a guy named Mark Mosley. I don't. So Mark Mosley is the only kicker in NFL history to be named league MVP. He played for the Washington Redskins. Now, to kind of clear the air here, it was a strike-shortened season. I think they only played like seven or eight regular season games. They were playing what they called scab players or replacement players. Oh, yeah. And he he set the league scoring record that year and just kicked all these field goals and kicked the Redskins or the then Washington Redskins to the world championship in the Super Bowl and was named MVP. Now, you and I both know. That's just <laughs> surely they could have found a regular player in that season to be the league oh, MVP. Man. But that still said he's league MVP and he went to Stephen Alf Austin. How about that? Yes, sir. Hey, I'm locking that one in. You know, uh, earlier you were talking about just your love for competing. And I've been the same way my whole life. And even when we were together on the same staff, you know that I have this problem where my brain tells my body it's not as old as it really is. And I I compete at such a level. I I thought about one of my most embarrassing moments. And I think it was when you were coaching with me, it may have been the year before, but do you remember when I got so frustrated one day that I told the guys line up, I'm going to show you how it was. I was uh, trying to teach about lead blocking and uh, I don't know if you're still there, but I, I got in as the lead blocker and I told the defense, hey, did uh, it was my lip. And so <laughs> they, they came at me and I said, run game speed. And Casey, Eagle, <laughs> Casey, Eagle yes, sir. caught me right in the mouth, yeah. flipped my lip open. And, you know, I'm, I definitely did. <laughs> and I remember the guys going, and I'm all still mad. I'm like, that's how I want to done every single play. And these these poor kids are looking at me. And, the, and I think it was Bradley Ruiz or somebody finally goes, Coach Ferris, I don't think your lips supposed to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. they gotta think they gotta think the coach is a little crazy sometimes, man. Oh my goodness, man. <laughs> uh, but anyway, all that to say, I've been a competitor all my life, and one of the ways that yes, I fed that need is with the sport of racquetball. Yeah. But uh, there's a lady named Rhonda Roshik. She is known as the greatest female racquetball player in the history of the world. And so she's a Stephen F. Austin alumni, man. How about that? Uh, Let's go. So how about this? Have you ever heard the name Joseph Kennedy? And no, he's not one of the Kennedy brothers like John F. Kennedy. There is a no, Joseph sir. Kennedy this Joseph Kennedy that went to Stephen F. Austin was the co-discoverer of plutonium, uh, worked on the Manhattan Project to develop the atomic bomb. 
goodness gracious. Like as I started research, I'm like, this guy was a leading scientist in the entire world back in the 1940s. And he came from NACA do nothing, Texas. I'm telling you, man, that is awesome. Um, How about, how about Larry centers? Do you know that name? Oh yeah. I know that one. So the greatest memory I have of Larry Sanders, for those listening, Larry Sanders was a fullback in the NFL. Yeah. A position a lot of teams don't have anymore. He's a running back that did a lot of blocking. But Larry, also, number 37, baby, he also sure. did a lot of, he caught a lot of passes out of the backfield. Yep. And I think he was the first running back in NFL history to catch 100 passes in a year. But the thing that I remember about him more than anything is the Cardinals were playing somebody, and I don't know who it was, and uh, Larry Sanders was young at the time. He he was young yeah. in the NFL, and he made a play, and it was a good play. But at the time, the Cardinals were losing like 41 to nothing. And nice. Larry Sanders makes this play, and he gets up, and he spikes the ball, and he's you know flexing, and he's you know giving everybody the what for. <laughs> this guy from the other team grabs him by the shoulder pads and just points at the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and poor Larry, man. He just kind of drops his shoulders and walks off the field. But, man, he ended up being one of the greats, man, of just a well-rounded athlete. What, what are your memories he from did. him? I, I don't know what, what the age difference there was because I think he's closer to my age. Man, you know, I, I got – I got more acquainted with him because of working there. You know, being in the being in the uh, our media room and our our team rooms, you you have some of those guys who were blessed to be able to go play at the next level. They'd had their pictures up there uh, with a, maybe a jersey on. Then it leads you to you know to the question, "Hey, coach, who's that? Like, what did they what did they do here? You know." So that's how that's how uh, uh, my knowledge of him like like really came about, even more so than the NFL. Because growing up for me. If it wasn't the Dallas Cowboys, I wasn't watching it, baby. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Hey, a couple more here. Um, did you know? I didn't know this until I started researching. Did you know Bum Phillips went to SFA? No, I did not know that. You know, he's the famous coach Whoa. of the New Orleans Saints and the Houston Oilers. And then his yes. son Wade ended up the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for a while. NFL uh, royalty right there. Legendary coach man wore that man. cowboy hat and those uh kickers on the sidelines those snakeskin boots and uh yeah he not know the sfa man um the last person that came across and I, I i was curious to know if you remember this tradition and i wanted to ask you a little bit about it there's this gentleman that uh is the highest ranking military figure to graduate from stephen f austin his name is oren Whitten. does that ring a bell at all no, sir. So his nickname was Old Cotton. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. His nickname in the military was Old Cotton, and I think it was because he had really light blonde hair or even white hair later on. I, I don't know Got that, you. Sure, but they, they nicknamed him Old Cotton. And I, I would have wow. to do more research, but tell people what Old Cotton is at SFA. Old Cotton is that cannon, baby. Every time you score, they fire it off. You're going to hear it for miles around. 
as soon as you said it, man, all the memories came flooding back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where Old Cotton came from. It was wow. after this military leader, uh, you know, that went to SFA. So, man, that's awesome. Fun stuff, man. Hey, Perry, thank you so much for taking family time away to to hang out and have this conversation with me. I promise I'm not joking you. I've told people for a long, long time, yes, I want my heart to be more like Jesus every day, but I want my heart to look more like Perry Myers, man. I am so proud of you. And I'm so grateful that we got to spend that short window of time together. Uh, You made me a better person. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending some time with me, man. And uh, next time I'm in Fort Worth, we'll we'll get together and have have dinner or something. We'll even eat broccoli. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, thank you again for just the opportunity, man, because you've absolutely the Lord used you to absolutely change my life. And thank you for now for for using your platform to get some uh, to get awareness about um anxiety and and the social issues because man it's 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 all real and it's all happening right now and um you know social media isn't helping the plight of anyone feeling less than and it certainly isn't helping anyone with mental disorders because they're looking on there and comparing themselves to other people's lives and so for young people that's hard man you know we see it every day they don't have their perfect body or their are having that picturesque life. So, man, just keep doing what you're doing because you and I both know that if we help that one or two people, man, and really make a difference, then that's enough because um, one thing that I have to grasp is we're we're called to plant the seeds. We don't see the crop grow all the time, but we are called to plant that seed because we don't know what seed that they're going to plant in somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So man, thank you for what you're doing. And uh, I'd come back to the show anytime, man. When you get into school tomorrow or this week, man, tell a bunch of those uh, saints faculty and staff, man, I miss them. And uh, man, I had the time of my life working there, man. It's good. Yes, sir. All hey, right, I'm man. a last thing before I the world. Hey, Ryder Ruiz is playing varsity football now. Thunder. He is in high school playing varsity football. Isn't that crazy? Man, you know what's great? I'm so glad that family is still a part of Saints Athletics, man. What a yes, solid man. gold family, man. Yeah. Of John yep. and uh, Mike and, and uh, those boys, man. Uh, my memory from from Thunder, man, you'll have to tell him this. You'll have to tell him we talk. But when Bradley and Ryan were playing for us, yeah. man, he could not wait after the game. He would be waiting for me as soon as the game is over because he would ride with me on the golf cart and help me pick all the goalpost pads and the pads oh, up. Yes, he lived for yes. it, man. <laughs> would chase me down and i don't even know how he got the the nickname thunder you'll have to ask him but man that's crazy <laughs> and it makes me feel really really old <laughs> it's uh it's it's crazy because you know ryan's been gone for a couple of years now but you know that Ryder being back on the team was really it's really significant to me because because now i have a dad i have another tie to my literally my very first year you know what i mean like yeah. i have a a dad from that again it's pretty 
it's pretty wild to see, man, because you got Chandon's married now, Isaac's engaged, and just Crazy. seeing all these boys we played it, played with moving on in life is just mind blowing to me, man. <laughs> well, man, thank you again, Perry, for your time and yes, for sir. the difference you're making in these in these young kids' lives, man. Absolutely, man. I love you, man. Hey, you too, bro. Go spend some time with your family. We'll catch you next time. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks again for listening to Critical Folly. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Perry Myers Jr., head football coach and athletic director, and also the dean of students at Harvest Christian Academy. If you happen to live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, make sure you go by Callahan Field in Watauga on a Friday night and check out some six-man football. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.